Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi everybody, so today what I need to talk to you about is valuations, your valuation skills. That's what we need to sharpen up if we're going to get a load of deals done that are out there and sold. And uh, it's sort of been highlighted to me over the last couple of weeks where uh, I get sent a lot of deals. So as most of you will be aware, I work with the wonderful Katie Wilson at Progressive Property, um, teaching friends what we know about deal packaging. And some of them have the opportunity to send us their deals and then we send them on to our investor database and we sell the deals and they get half the fee and we get half the fee. That's how it rolls. And uh, when you're just starting out, that can be a really useful, really, really useful uh, resource for your business because it means you can start making money a bit quicker. But before we get to the point where we send the deals out, we have to have a look at what you sent in, right? And um, this is what I see from friends that I've been working with, with regard to their valuations of the properties that they're putting forward as a deal, right? And, um, you know, I'm extrapolating that across the industry. So if we're finding it, other people are finding it as well. If we're, if we're getting the deals in inverted commas sent into us where the numbers aren't right, I'll bet there's loads of people out there putting forward deals where the numbers are not right. And it's absolute, this is crucial to your success because if you send through a deal to an investor and your numbers are wrong, it completely blows away your credibility from day one. Okay. So valuations, valuations we get in of properties are mainly wrong. <laughs> they are. I know, I know you don't want to hear it. Uh, does it sound harsh? I'll try and, you know, I'll try and explain with love, but I have to say, you know, if we send an email back to somebody who's really sweating on getting this deal away and say, I think your numbers are wrong. No, they don't always take it well. <laughs> they don't. It's just the way of the world, I suppose. Uh, but that's what we find. So what are the mistakes, David? What are the things that I can do to improve my valuation skills. Okay, so I've got two or three things that you could work on depending on what strategies you're looking at. And this is national, this is nationwide, this is something I see everywhere. Okay, so it doesn't matter where you're based, this is what happens. Okay, number one, top of the shop, these of the mistakes I see. You've got to compare like with like, okay? make sure you're comparing a property with a similar property. So to give you an example, so you exactly what I mean. Uh, just this week, we were sent a three bed, two reception room property in the Northwest of England. Uh, it was, it was tired, <laughs> I think. Well, to, okay, so why did I hesitate? So I don't think there's any structural issues there. I don't think it was anything, you know, terrible that needed sorted out. Uh, but it was definitely cosmetically tired. New kitchen, new bathroom, new flooring, coat of paint throughout. And don't forget, I'm only seeing just a few pictures of it. I haven't been there and prodded the walls and peeked under the stairs. So once you start taking off wallpaper and plaster comes away, you don't, you don't know what else you're going to find. But based on what we saw, it was a three bed house that looked really, really tired. So um, to put that in good order, you're probably looking at five, six, seven grand, depending on how far you go with it. You know, new kitchen, new bathroom. I haven't 
haven't even considered things like the heating system. It wasn't mentioned at all um, in the details. I mean, we need to know. We need to know about uh, the heating system. You know, a picture of the boiler, picture underneath the boiler at the bottom bit where you get all the coppery, rusty bits, you know, and it goes a bit green. Let's have a look at that. Uh, we didn't get pictures of the electrical installation. It's really important now. You've got to have an electrical certificate for any new letting. And so um, we've got to have pictures of the consumer unit, etc., etc., just to give us a clue. I mean, that's not, none of that stuff um, is, is, going to give us a definitive answer as to costs of refurb, but it'll give us a clue. Okay, we've seen it before, but we never got any of that. Okay, so we've got a three-bed, really tired house, and it was compared with, and I have to say, in the same street, well done, you know, th this was very close to our uh, house in question. Um, it was a four-bed that had recently sold, four-bed. So we're immediately we're comparing a three bed with a four bed and a different layout internally, okay? And the four bed was just immaculate. It was just, you could see from the pictures and there were a lot of pictures. That's immediately a clue when there's a lot of pictures because it tells you that people are proud of the house and they want you to see the pictures. This is a selling tool to have 12, 15, 16 pictures, right? Um, you could see that this was a labor of love and people live there right? This was not an investment property, clearly. Uh, and it was being uh, marketed to other people who wanted to live there, right? So that's our, our opposition in the market, okay? Maybe first-time buyers in this particular instance. So we've got an, a tired house with three bedrooms being compared with an immaculate house with four bedrooms, and that's being offered as a comparable, right? That price that they're seeking for the four-bed immaculate one <coughs> I know this sounds really, really obvious, but that can't be a comp. It can't be a comp, okay? It, it, it might give us a clue along the way to finding the comps, but it can't be a comp. Now, as it turned out for this particular house, uh, there were other comps really close by, you know, within a quarter of a mile that actually were three bed, that were tied, that, that had sold recently, that gave us a clue but the value on those properties was about 30 grand less than the value we were being advised was appropriate, okay? So that immediately pulls the rug from the deal in inverted commas. You can't do that, okay? So um, just make sure, mistake number one, make sure, compare like with like, absolutely key. Um, otherwise, we can't go any further with it, right? Because we're not physically seeing the house. And probably if, if you put us in the, in, the, in the shoes of your investor, right? You're sending this through. The investor's going to go through the same exercise. It's all on right move, right? What we've done. And uh, they're going to see this as well. So, you know, you get, that's mistake number one. Mistake number two, sold comparables, right? Sold comparables. Now, let's talk about a situation where there are sold comparables. If there are not sold comparables that are recent, right, that are appropriate, that are within a quarter of a mile, sometimes that happens, right? Have a look through the other podcast episodes. I did a deep dive into how, in one particular episode, can't remember which one it was, you have a, you have a scroll through, um, how 
right, you work out the value of the house where there are no comparables, okay? Um, I won't go into that now. It'll make this episode too long. But have a look through, or I can come back and do it again on another day, okay? But have a look through. It's definitely there. I've done this before. Okay, so where there are comparables, don't just pick the best ones. Now, what's likely to happen in the same street, the same street, and if you look over a reasonable amount of time, say you look over 10, 15 years, that's a long time, okay? You're going to see comps at uh, your house. You Maybe you're, you're hoping it's worth, uh, I don't know, 100 grand. Okay, you're going to see comps at 140 grand and you're going to see comps at 40 grand, probably. Right. And you're going to look at the pictures, those that are left, you know, sometimes on right move when there's old listings, uh, sometimes on the sold page, they leave the old listings, but without the script. So you just see the pictures uh, So you can't really tell why one was top of the market at the time and one was bottom of the market at the time so it might have something to do with the vendor or there might be a structural issue but you can't see from the pictures okay what i'm saying to you is please just don't pick the best because if there are other comps which are relatively recent which are lower than the number you are suggesting is the right value for the property um your investors are going to see it you know, they're not daft. They're going to go and do their own due diligence, or they should do, okay? I would advise them to. Um, so if you've got an oddball valuation that's low, include it in your presentation to your investor. If you send it to us, include it to us, because we're going to see it, right? You can't hide the thing, okay? And it's perfectly professional to say, I found this, right? It seems to be out of line with current valuations. Uh, I'm not sure why the property sold at that price. Presumably, it was vendor circumstances that made the difference. Full stop. Okay, and then move on. Okay, so what you've done there is you've acknowledged the issue that might undermine your valuation a little bit. Uh, but you're trying to draw the sting of it by saying um, <laughs> it's there. We can't miss it. Um, we really don't know. Uh, however, there's other comps that suggest the number is a little bit higher and then go through those comps. Okay. What if there's no comps? What if there's no comps? Okay. So I've already dealt with that. There's another, um, podcast episode that talks about what if there's no comps that you can use. Um, another mistake, mistake number three. So Mistake number one was you've got to compare like with like. Okay, this mistake number two is misusing the sold comps that are available. And if there's no sold comps available, how to, do, how to deal with that. Okay, that's mistake number two. Mistake number three is about refurb costs. Refurb costs. Now, if you're doing it for the first time, I can understand that assessing refurb costs is a is a challenge, right? It might be a challenge to you, okay? Uh, I dealt with this. I deep-dived into this. I think it was episode 12, episode 12 of the podcast series. Have a listen back, because it's a whole episode on its own, uh, how to um, estimate the refurb costs of a property for the first time if you're doing it for the very first time. Okay, so go and have a listen to number 12. Uh, it will be in there and it will give you some clues. Okay, um, and it's, it's, it's really, really important. And I'm, I'm just going to focus on one element of underestimating refurb costs because it, 
it, it comes through again and again and again. Okay. And that is where uh, the packager is hoping to take, for instance, a three bed house with two reception rooms, right? So it's a, it's a single family home at this point. And you're going to take one of the reception rooms, turn it into bedroom four and make it a multi-let. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that, right? That is perfectly acceptable. And it's an opportunity to increase the rent roll that the investor needs to know about. So we take the three bed family home, making one of the reception rooms into a fourth bedroom. And then we're letting the rooms individually. Okay, that's cool. Got no issues with that. Okay. Um, but there's two or three things that you need to know, okay? Um, especially with, with respect to valuations, right? You are not going to get, in the current market, in the current lending market, April 2021, you're not going to get a yield-driven valuation for a four-bed HMO. It is an HMO within the legal definition, but you're not going to get a yield-driven valuation for that particular setup, Okay. Um, Yield-driven valuation, David, what are you talking about? Okay, well, just in a couple of sentences, and again, I know most of you know this, um, in particularly in the Midlands and the north of England, people setting up HMOs want yield-driven valuations. A yield-driven valuation is based on the income, the income, the rent roll of the property. And uh, there are lenders, commercial lenders, who will look at that and will give yield-driven valuations on specific properties. And the reason in the north you want them is that it's going to be higher than the bricks and mortar valuation. Now, as a rule of thumb, right, and I'm being very general here, in the south of England, it's very possible that you would prefer to have a bricks and mortar valuation because the value of property in the south of England is much higher. So it's going to be higher than the valuation based on rent roll. And I'm not going into the, I'm not going to go into the specifics of how the rent roll, um, uh, how lenders get to the valuation on rent roll. Again, that's a whole nother episode. So this one is about submitting deals. That's what this is, getting your valuations right. That's what this is, that is what this episode is about. And that's where I'm going to focus on it. Okay, but I can do other stuff on, and in fact, I've done it on new driven valuations as well. Have a scroll through if you want to look at that. Okay, here's my very general overview. This is not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Go and talk to a commercial broker who will give you chapter and verse on this. But this is from my experience, what I'm hearing. And don't forget, I'm working in the industry as well. So this is what I find my investors are finding when they go to get HMO uh, deals, in inverted commas, valued, okay? If you want to get a yield-driven valuation today in the current market, uh, there seems to be uh, one or two criteria that you have to have, right? Otherwise, you're not going to get it, okay? So number one, right, it has to be in an Article 4 area. You know what an Article 4 area is. Um, I'll leave that with you. right? It has to be in an Article 4 area. So that's a planning issue, i.e. you have to have planning in place for that property. Okay, It's got to be six bed plus. Okay, So a four bedder is not going to get a yield-driven valuation. It's got to be six bed plus. And preferably, 
in a building that doesn't look like a house. Okay, so if it did look like a house before you started, but you've converted it to six or seven ensuite individual rooms, internally, that is no longer a, a house in the sense it, okay, it's a house, but it's not a family home. <laughs> you find very few families who have a shower and toilet in every single room in the house, right? It, 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 it's no longer functions. It no longer flows as a family home, okay? So you've got to turn the building into a property that is no longer a family home. In our, in our example, we were taking a three-bed house, turning one of the reception rooms into a fourth bed and just putting furniture in, right? That's with shared facilities in terms of the bathroom and the kitchen, then that is no longer, that is, that, that is not, that is not changing the, the purpose of the house. You could, you could very easily move your tenants out if you get fed up with it and sell it as a family home because actually you haven't really done anything to alter the flow of the house. So you're not going to get your yield driven valuation for that. Hope, hope that's clear. Okay. So it's, you need it in a, to get a yield driven valuation in the Midlands and the North in particular. It's got to be in an Article 4 area. It's got to be six bedrooms plus, right? It's got to no longer function, no longer flow as a family home. So you made significant alterations to it. If it was a commercial building, maybe a pub, I don't know, I've seen police stations, uh, old schools, churches, seen all that malarkey. Um, so if it was a commercial building, Originally, it's a lot easier, but if it's a house, you've really got to change the interior completely. And most importantly, there has to be a proven room rate. So this is something I've seen. This is something I've seen. Room rates coming through. Oh, yes, we can get 585 a month. We can get 625 a month. We can do it. And then I'll go on spare room or open rate and have a look. And I see en suite, en suite model rooms at £400 a month, 450 475 okay? And I struggle with my friend who sent me uh, comparables of room rates at 585 right? It's just not there, okay? So remember, your investors are going to have a look at, well, it's not about me. I've got, I've got to send this to a property investor who could be really experienced. They're going to open spare room and look at this and say, it just doesn't stack up, right? It doesn't stack up. Okay, so you've got to prove your room rate as well. Absolutely key. So, in summary, right, valuations. You've got to work on your valuation skills, right? The, the valuations I get sent to me are mainly incorrect. That's not me being horrible. That's just the way it is, okay? So what have you got to do to make sure they're correct? Make sure you compare like with like, okay? Your sold comparables, uh, work out from the sold comps that are available what you think the house sold, not for sale, sold, is worth. If you've got any um, odd-looking figures, either too high or too low, right? Highlight them, right? Show, show the world that they, you know they're there, but your um, judgment on what's going on in these particular streets is that X is the value, okay? Um underestimating refurb costs. We've got to sharpen our pencils working out what the refurb costs are. HMOs in particular, HMOs in particular, you know, uh, what are your refurb costs? If you're 
If you're taking a house and turning it into a five, six bed, all ensuite HMO, right? As a rule of thumb, and don't quote me, right? But, you know, just keep this in the back of your mind. And if you're going a long way off here, um, then you're going wrong, okay? So um, again, we had another, recently we had another deal in inverted commas sent to us, turning something into a five bed, all ensuite HMO. And the builder's quote was 30,000 pounds for doing that. Right, put it in five on sweets, blah, blah, blah. Um, I hear you, I get it, 30 grand, wouldn't that be great? Um, I'm going to say, in the vast majority of cases, that's not going to be possible. It's certainly in my world not possible. Okay, so again, as a rule of thumb, if you're turning a house into five ensuite rooms, uh, we work on in our business, we work on as a rule of thumb, as an opening gambit between 10 and 12,000 pounds per room, okay? And that's not just for the five ensuite rooms, that's also for, you've got to have one communal room, <coughs> kitchen, diner, whatever, however it is you're gonna um, uh, sort out the amenities, there's usually quite a big kitchen area as well. So that's six rooms, five ensuites and a kitchen, right? Six rooms are between 10 and 12 grand a room. So that gives you, um, a clue that the refurb cost is going to be between 60 and 72 grand. Now that's very soft. It's also quite a broad margin. But if you're not in that area, if you're significantly less than that 30 grand, there's something wrong. Okay. There's something wrong. And again, we get, we get deals submitted with conversion to five bed all on, all on suites with 30 grand build cost. No, I just don't think it's going to happen. Just don't think that's going to happen. So, get your numbers right, okay? Um, compare like with like. Don't just pick the best comps. Don't just pick the worst. You know, just flag it all up that it's there. Don't underestimate your refurb costs. Yield-driven valuations in the north for a four-bed uh, with shared facilities. That's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. And some friends send me chapter and verse on the rent roll and the room rates and stuff like that. But actually, it's a bricks and mortar value. You're going to get from any lender, you're going to get a bricks and mortar value. So focus on the bricks and mortar family home values. Right. I hope that's helped. I've got it off my chest. Um, I want you to know that if I'm working with you and you're sending deals, that we do look at every single submission. Uh, we, we've go and look at check your numbers um please please work on your numbers i would love to do another episode saying how wonderful the numbers are from our community of deal sources and deal packages then we could sell them all then i could say it was great okay <laughs> hope to see you all very soon thanks for listening um i'll be back next time uh go out and find some deals it's gonna be great thank you for listening i am david siegler See you on the next episode.